So often in today's society, people think that only important or famous people are chosen to bring about change or perform some great act of importance. That may very well be man's way of doing things, but it's not God's way. Today on the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, Dr. Charles E. Fuller is going to tell you about a man who was lowly in the eyes of most men, but was used by God to accomplish one of the greatest deeds recorded in Scripture. It's all coming up on today's edition of the Old Fashioned Revival Hour. Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, an international broadcast of the gospel presented by Dr. Charles E. Fuller. Welcome to another broadcast of the Old Fashioned Revival Hour. Dr. Fuller's message today has an important twist to it that I think goes against our society's ways of doing similar things. Most of us are somewhat ordinary, obscure people working for a living, raising our children, and trying to live a good life. But for some, it's all about glamour, prestige, and making their mark in society, attending important events and trying to be in the spotlight. But as you will see today, that's not God's way. On this edition of the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, Dr. Fuller is going to tell you about a man, an ordinary man with low social status, who God asked to carry out a mission of the greatest importance in God's plan of salvation for the world. The text for Dr. Fuller's message can be found in the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 10 to 22. While you turn to that text, we'll join Dr. Fuller in the Old Fashioned Revival Hour just getting underway. At the close of the broadcast, I'll return to give you information on how to contact us for a free copy of today's message or a catalog of music and other resources that are available from this ministry.
Jesus, my Lord, mighty to save, points to his wounded side. Broad cleansing stream, I see, I see, I plunge and roll, it cleanseth me. Oh, praise the Lord, it cleanseth me, it cleanseth me, yes, cleanseth me. Amazing grace, tis and below to feel the blood applied. And Jesus only, Jesus know, my Jesus crucified. The cleansing stream I see, I see, I plunge and more it cleanseth me. first time, turn around, give everybody a good hearty handshake, all possible. We'd like to have this uh, time of warm fellowship here at Long Beach. You'd be surprised as we go over the country how the folks in the radio audience love to hear you sing Heavenly Sunshine from Long Beach. This little chorus has gone into the hearts of literally millions over the earth. A great source of encouragement. So come on now with a smile on your voice, smile on your face, heavenly sunshine. Heavenly sun. Turn right around, give a good handshake.
Mrs. Fuller with the letters. Go right ahead, honey, please. Uh, greetings, friends. It's a letter from Lisbon, Portugal. Dear Dr. Fuller, yesterday we had a pleasant surprise. We are missionaries in, the Port- in Portugal studying the language, and we were out riding with another couple, also here for the same purpose. And when they turned on the radio, a familiar voice came over the air. Almost in chorus, we said, Well, that's the Fuller program from home. We almost stopped the car and had a praise meeting. Since we tuned in late, we didn't hear the complete program. But I'm sure it will be a great pleasure to sit down next Saturday to listen since we know the hour. We heard the program over a Belgian station. From Germany, a young American serviceman writes, When I was at home in Kansas, I always used to listen to your program as I was growing up. I guess a person takes things for granted there at home. But when you get into a strange land, you realize how precious some things are. Please tell me when I can hear your broadcast here. It is hard to serve Christ and be true in the service, yet there are many fine Christian soldiers over here. I'd be glad to get home next summer, to the home church, and to hear you regularly. I love the hymns and songs of the faith in word and song. From Cambridge, Massachusetts, a good letter from a child... You may not think that children have time to listen to your program, but they do. I am only 12 years old, but I try not to miss one Sunday. We of the younger generation need an uplifting sometimes. Two, during your program, all my troubles and fears are gone. I am abiding with God. A man in Michigan writes a good letter. Dear Reverend Fuller, I have been a joyful listener for several years back, but let me tell you first my story. Sad at the beginning, but happy at the ending. Once I knew my Savior, and after following him for three years, I started slipping, and I went to the very depths of hell, in gravest despair. Finally, I landed in the place where they keep enemies of the public, under lock and key. In other words in prison. But in my utter helplessness and despair, in loneliness and with a broken heart, I turned to the Lord that I had known, and I cried out for forgiveness, and in his great mercy he lifted the burden of sin, and unworthy though I was, I became a child of God. That was a year ago last December, and what a happy year this has been. Through the years I have loved your program and have often listened, though in sin. Through the war years I heard the old-fashioned revival hour at times, coming like a voice from heaven, and I longed for fellowship with Christ again. But Satan had such a hold on me. And when I felt condemned as you preached, he would say to me, Oh, you aren't so bad. 
just quit worrying. And I would go on until I absolutely hit bottom. All those years you people were faithful to proclaim the word, and I would hear you and long to be God's child again. Finally, I turned to him in earnest, and he's forgiven and blessed, and I enjoy complete comfort and deliverance in God. Good letter, isn't it? That is all I shall have time for today, friends.
As he leads us along, we should know more about Jesus. May we stand, please, and sing one verse and chorus of number 138 and remain standing for prayer. Sing it right out heartily. Mr. and Mrs. Whitwell, dear friends of ours, have not only represented the old-fashioned revival hour and evangelistic meetings in New England and other sections of the land, but they've been closely associated with the work. They're here every Sunday to do personal work, and I'm so happy to have you here. Brother Whitwell, will you lead us to the throne of grace? Shall we all look to God in prayer? Our Father, we thank thee today for thy dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee for thyself. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit that indwells every born-again believer. Now, our Father, we ask thou would look down upon us in grace and love. Then, our Father, we pray for our listening audience. We pray, O God, for those who are heavy-hearted. And we pray, Lord, for the aged, so many, dear Lord, that cannot get out to church. We thank that they have the blessing of the old-fashioned revival hour. We pray, O God, today as our dear brother, Dr. Fuller, gives the message that the unsaved, our Father, will be brought under conviction that many will be saved, not only in this auditorium, our Father, but throughout the world who will hear this broadcast either today or at some future time. Now, our Father, we give thanks to thee again for the privilege of being here. Bless thy word. We thank thee, O God, that the preaching of the word brings conviction and that precious souls are saved through thy blessed word. Hear us, our Father. Pray in the name of thy dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen.
Fashion Revival Hour with Dr. Charles E. Fuller. His message for today is titled, Paul's Consecration for Service. Open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 10 to 22, as we rejoin the broadcast. I'll provide additional information after Dr. Fuller's message.
just a passing through. My treasures are laid out somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't be at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. They're all expecting me, and that's one thing I know. I fixed it up with Jesus many years ago. I know he'll take me through, though I am weak and poor. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just over in glory land we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, oh no, I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, oh Lord, I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Take your Bibles and turn to the ninth chapter of Acts, beginning at the tenth verse. Lord willing, down to and including the 22nd verse today, as time permits. In chapter 9 of this sacred book, we find the account of Saul's conversion, his consecration, and his commission to preach the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. In verses 1 to 9, we find the account of Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. And in verses 10 to 22, Saul's consecration fully surrendering himself to the Lord's work and service. In the first part of the chapter, we learn that Saul, due to the intense brightness of the great flash of light, became physically blind, that is, temporarily so. He was led by the hand and brought into the city of Damascus. And in verses 20 to 22, we see Paul in the midst of the Jews of Damascus preaching that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, risen, ascended, glorified. My, what had taken place? A wonderful conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Now in verses 10 to 22, there are three thrilling, heartwarming pictures to tell about this great change. Pictures filled with much human interest. And may we meditate upon those three pictures briefly. First, Ananias and the Lord Jesus, verses 10 to 16. Ananias, second in his dealings with Saul, verses 17 to 19. And then, verses 20 to 22, Saul in the synagogues preaching Christ. 
First of all, Ananias and the Lord Jesus, verses 10 to 16. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. To him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, For behold, he prayeth. He went out to pray, P-R-E-Y, upon the church. He ends up praying, P-R-A-Y-I-N-G, for the church. Started out as a persecutor of the church. He becomes a preacher to the church. What wonderful things God can bring to pass. And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias said, Now, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem, and he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on his name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and for the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And there we have the first picture. Now notice, we are arrested immediately by this man called Ananias. Nothing is known about him other than that which is revealed in the book of Acts. Ananias is comparatively obscure. He passes before our eyes at this point and never seen again, save as he's referred to by Paul and as his Influence is to be found in the inspired epistles written by Paul. Saul or Paul never ceases to remember the first things Ananias had said to him in the city of Damascus in the house of Judas. For you'll note in verse 10, these words, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus. Now notice, Ananias is designated as a disciple and nothing more. He held no official position in the church. He was not an apostle or even a deacon. Please bear in mind that the Holy Spirit does not confine himself or limit himself to work exclusively through the official heads of the church. Here is a momentous occasion The Holy Spirit selects a lowly disciple, one in the eyes of men rather obscure. In first chapter of chapters 1 to 5, Peter and John the apostles are prominent. In chapter 6 and 8, Philip the deacon, the evangelist, is prominent. Now in chapter 9, a lowly disciple by the name of Ananias is used. And here's one of the most important far-reaching circumstances we see. We see how the Holy Spirit, not dependent upon apostles or deacons, but employs a disciple using him as an instrument through whom the fullness of the Spirit came to the man who was to be a pioneer missionary to the church. Beloved, how comforting 
God can use and does use mightily the lowly, obscure disciples. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh might glory or should glory in his presence. Again in chapter 22, in that great section commonly called Paul's great defense, given at the close of his earthly sojourn, Paul refers to Ananias as follows. One Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well reported of by all the Jews that dwelt in Damascus. What a characterization! A disciple, a devout man, well reported by all the Jews that dwelt in Damascus. And here God uses a disciple, a devout man. Now notice, Jesus spoke to this man, calling him by name, and he knows his own. I love that. And Ananias was quick uh, to respond, and immediate in his response, he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And he told him what he would have him to do. Then we listen, and he listened patiently, the Lord did, to his protest. Here's a picture of the wonderful, tender fellowship between the Lord and his own, his blood-bought children. To you who are outside of Christ, you know nothing of this inner sweet fellowship and the peace with God and the peace of God which passes all understanding, I feel sorry for you. You're out under the Satan, the God of this age, fulfilling the desires of the mind, dead in trespasses and sin. You know nothing of this inner fellowship that passes all understanding. One further point in this first picture, Ananias in verse 13, speaking of what uh, Saul had already wrought, uses a word for the first time applied to Christians, the word saints. Notice it. Then Ananias answered and said, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints in Jerusalem. Now notice, later Paul uses this word frequently. No doubt he learned of this word Saints from Ananias. Now listen. All that call on thy name are saints. It does not require the official action of any religious group to set aside anyone as a saint. For the moment that you receive Christ as your personal Savior and you pass from death unto life, even though you may be an obscure housewife, in God's sight, you're a saint in Christ Jesus. All that call upon thy name, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus 
shall be saved. For neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now the next picture. Ananias and Saul in verses 17 to 19. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples in Damascus. Now notice, Saul spent three days in the street, which is called straight, in the house of one Judas. And to this house, Ananias wended his way. I haven't any doubt at first, perhaps just for a moment, that Ananias was a, just a little bit fearful, for he said, you know, he'd heard of the havoc that Saul had wrought upon the Christian. But now, in perfect peace, Ananias goes to the house. What a scene. I imagine that the angels in heaven stopped in the midst of their praises of the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world to watch this scene in the house of Judas in the city of Damascus. Now notice, putting his hands, he was not an apostle, no such thing as apostolic succession, but a lowly disciple putting his hands upon Saul. Will you note the tender words? Brother Saul. Words with eternal meaning. Ananias recognized this new wonderful relationship that Saul, once dead in trespasses and sin, a murderer with his hands dripping red with human blood, now received into the household of faith a son of God through faith in Christ Jesus with his past sins forgiven and washed away, a new creation in Christ, born again, now a brother in the family of God, brother Saul. And that word brother, by the way, is found frequently in the Pauline epistles. And Ananias delivered the message now notice in verse 18, And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight. Listen. When the brother of Martha and Mary came forth from the tomb, he came bound in grave clothes and a napkin over his eyes. And he needed to have them removed. We need to have the old Man put off the old clothing that blinds us. We need to have the eyes of our understanding enlightened 
that we may know what is the hope of his calling, the glory of his inheritance in the saint, in the saints, and as the result of receiving the fullness filled with the Holy Spirit, his eyes became enlightened. And now he had the teacher of all teachers to reveal, to teach, and to enlighten him. And immediately he arose and was baptized. And there we have the obedience of faith. And then he continued with the disciples in Damascus. What sweet fellowship. Now, I wish we had time to go into the three-day matter. But wherever you find the three-day period mentioned in the Word of God, it speaks of the resurrection life. On the third day, things came forth on the day of, of creation. As Jonah was three days and three nights, Christ was three days and three nights, wherever you find the third day, it speaks of resurrection power. And now the third and concluding picture, Saul in the synagogue. What a transformation. Listen. Verse 20. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. How different from some of the preaching we hear today. He preached Jesus, the name despised and rejected. He preached Jesus that he is the Son of God. And this statement alone, that Christ is the Son of God, occurs 29 times in the Pauline epistles. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, concerning his Son, concerning the Son Jesus Christ, declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from among the dead. Throughout his epistles, Jesus, the Christ, is the Son of God. And this is the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Amen. Oh, how sweet the name. Now notice, in conclusion, what a tr wonderful, tremendous transformation. At the beginning of the chapter, breathing out threatenings and murders against the disciples of the Lord, converted, born again, Saul being led by the hand, physically blind, then one of the lowly disciples, Ananias, placing his hands on Saul and saying, Brother Saul, I wish I were an artist. I wish I could paint this picture. But listen to me. Paul, once on the broad road as you are by nature, now translated from that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son, becomes a member of God's family, a brother in Christ, past sins forgiven, washed away, a saint in Christ Jesus, no condemnation, a mighty example of God's miracle working power. That same power, my friend, can change you from a sinner to a saint 
if you'll now believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Let's bow our heads in prayer. No one stirring but every head bowed in prayer. Paul speaks of himself later in Timothy as the chiefest of sinners. But he found mercy. He found grace. He found the pardon of his sins. How wonderful of God of eternity to fill him with the Holy Spirit. To have the, the blessed companion to walk with him. To teach him. To reveal the things of Christ unto him. No wonder he could count all things lost to gain the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. I want you to look away from all organization, all human organization. And while you're seated by the radio with your eyes closed, look up into the Father's face and see Christ risen, glorified, seated at the right hand, ever living to make intercession for you, saying, Son, this day give me thine heart. I'm not willing that you should perish, but that you should come to repentance, and him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. Won't you get on your knees if possible and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Christ's sake. God bless you across the nation. God bless you wherever you're making that decision. We must close. Continue in prayer, please. This is Charles E. Fuller bidding you goodbye and God's richest blessing upon you. Friends, Dr. Fuller's messages are intended to give you assurance that when you die, you will be with the Lord. If you are not a Christian but responded to Dr. Fuller's call to commit your life to Jesus Christ, we have materials we'd be happy to send to you that will help you with that next important step. There are several ways to reach us. By telephone on our toll-free phone number, 1-800-977-6374. Or, if you prefer to write, address your letter to Old Fashioned Revival Hour, 700 Locust Street, Pasadena, California, 91101. We appreciate hearing from our listeners, so won't you take a few minutes and send us a letter or email to let us know you are listening and enjoy the program. We also publish a bi-monthly newsletter, Heart to Heart, which contains history and current news of the Old Fashioned Revival Hour. We'd be happy to send it to you free of charge just for the asking. We also have a resource catalog that lists over 40 albums of music from the broadcast, along with other resources that are available. Included in the package is an introductory CD or cassette tape, which has a sampling of the gospel music that is available. 
In case you missed our address, I'll give that to you one more time. By telephone on a toll-free number, 1-800-977-6374. Or you can write to us at Old Fashioned Revival Hour, 700 Locust Street, Pasadena, California, 91101. And friends, this message is now being heard on over 100 radio stations across our nation and by short wave to the rest of the world. Our request is for your prayers and support as we send out the message of salvation to a world that desperately needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. This Old Fashioned Revival Hour broadcast was produced on the campus of Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, California. And this is your host, Kurt Roberts, wishing you God's richest blessings until we return next week at this same time with another edition of the Old Fashioned Revival Hour.